this sermon series that we're calling 2020 Hindsight. We're kind of looking back at the God things and making sure we haven't forgotten them. You know, looking at our vision statement, making sure we're on task with that, looking at some faith goals that we have as a church, and then how to grab hold of those faith goals. So we talked about our vision statement, reach up, rise up, reach out. This is who we are. I should preach it every week until everybody knows exactly what the vision statement is, but it's reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. So we want to connect with God. We do this in our worship time. You do this in your personal devotional time, studying the word, praying to the Lord. We want to connect with God. When it's the first connection with God, we call that salvation, where you come to know the Lord, you ask for forgiveness, you pledge your life to walk with him and to serve him, and then he makes all things new new and you start a new life. You're born again. That starting of that process, you know, pray the sinner's prayer, they call it, and start a life with Christ. That's the beginning of that connection. But then there's that progression of growth and staying connected with the Lord. And this is where the rise up part comes in. Rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you. Have you ever had a relationship with someone who brought you up? Maybe a coach or a teacher or a family member or a friend who just having them around called you up into something better. Well, how much more would that be true if you have a real relationship with the creator of the universe who made you and has a purpose for your life that he's gonna call you up out of all the garbage that's been holding you back and into who he truly meant for you to be, who he created you to be. So we wanna rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you and then reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. We're not just supposed to sit here and wait to go to heaven. We're not just supposed to try to enjoy life as best we can, but we have a purpose and a reason for being here. And we are to bring the light into the darkness. We're to help people who are hurting. We're to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. And you've got a piece of it. Each one of us has a piece of that. So a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. We want to serve. We want to go. We want to make this happen. Last week, we talked about having mountain moving faith and some steps into being able to move mountains. Because, you know, you read those verses, it goes by so quick, and you're like, neat, and you're not really sure what to do. <laughs> so we're kind of fleshing that out a little bit. But last time we talked about some faith goals. First one, talked about increasing the church's love capacity. This was something that was part of our 2020 vision series two years ago. You know, a church is full when it can't love more people. We don't want to be full because we can't love more people. COVID has made that challenging, especially, you know, now in Cloquet, we're back with the mask thing. You know, hallelujah, this too shall pass. Be nice, have a good heart. If you wanna know how to get through the COVID stuff as a, as a good Christian, I got three steps for you. Step one, rise above. You are a citizen of heaven. Step two, represent Jesus well. And then step three, rest in the Lord. Let your heart and your mind have peace. So there you go. Rise above, represent Jesus well, and then <laughs> rest in the Lord. That's the key. So, Faith goals increase the church's love capacity. You know, we want to love people. We've got different things. You've got small groups who want to have, you know, just a warm and inviting services. And then also, you know, hey, sending the message out of the love of God through digital means, through TV, radio, YouTube, Facebook, all the different ways that we send this stuff out. Daily devotions, our podcast, Chasing Squirrels with Pastor Mike. All these ways we're trying to share the love of God digitally as well as live and in person because we need both 
and they're very important. So these are ways we're trying to improve, increase the church's love capacity. Then last time I talked about having more partners. At Good Hope Church, we have a progressive membership process and up the ladder a little ways is called partners, a partner with Good Hope Church. It's biblical language. You know, Paul talks about the people who partnered with him in the gospel and we need people to partner with us at Good Hope Church. This is people who tithe to the church, who believe in the mission, who serve, they're here with us. We want that to increase. Last time we also talked about Lake Geneva Christian Center. The $6 million project from 2019 is now the same project, but it's going to cost $9.5 million. And so we made a $60,000 pledge from Good Hope Church to help with the building project at the camp. You know, we're trusting God and asking God if we should increase that because the expense has increased. We were hoping to do 1% of the project at $60,000. Now 1% of the project is, you know, $95,000. That's a lot. We're believing God and trusting God, trying to see where we need to get with that. Our overall missions giving, benevolence giving, the children's home, foreign missions, missionaries, projects locally. Last year was $179,000 in 2021. Our goal for 2022 is $200,000. Hallelujah for that. And then we also talked about a couple of steps in mountain moving faith. We'll cover that again when we get to it. But today I want to look at a few more faith goals. These are for 2022 and beyond. Uh, A lot of this is things that I've wanted to see come to pass for years and still believe in God for it. And then we'll look at the last two steps to having a faith that moves mountains. So let's talk about some more faith goals. I got three of them. Number one, that we're talking about this week. Of course, I got a million things. I can only share so many, but here I'm gonna do three. Number one, end the loneliness epidemic through small groups and friendly services. There are lonely people out there and God doesn't want us to be lonely. He wants us to be part of a fellowship. He wants us to be part of a family. He wants us to be together with brothers and sisters so we can walk through this treacherous life with the encouragement and strengthening of each other. And so we can end the loneliness epidemic through the ways that the scriptures teach us, which is to gather together and to be nice to each other. (laughs) It's pretty simple stuff. And the way that points itself out for us is small groups. Through our Connections Ministry, we've got 12 small groups that are starting right now. You know, this is the season for getting them going. Most of them have already started, but you can jump in if you want to be part of one of those because how important is it to end the loneliness epidemic where you're disconnected, you're just going through life, you're sitting there, you know, alone. Maybe you've got people with you, but you still feel alone. We need to gather together and go there and encourage each other and end the loneliness epidemic. That happens through relationship relationship is built by meeting with people. And a great way is through small groups, different types of life groups, different types of study groups, all kinds of different groups. we got 12 of them going right now. That represents 26 different people, facilitators who are helping these groups happen. You know, we got a bunch of different things going on, but what we need is a lot more than 12. You know what I mean? I know that other churches, there's small groups that they're not even associated with the church. Hallelujah for that. And then, of course, there's small groups that kind of are birthed out of these short-term groups that we have. I'm 100% happy with a group that meets for 10 years or however long. You know, that's awesome. Um, But there needs to be a way for people to come in and meet some people and maybe then get involved in a group like that. And that's our short-term groups. That's what the 12 are. And so we need more than that. I'm believing God 
that 12 will be our new floor and that we'll be growing from there. How far can that get? I don't know. Let's, let's go for 20. Let's go for 20 small groups next fall. Believe God for that. And then I want to believe God for just friendliness to be hanging in the air at Good Hope Church when people come to our live services. You know, you can tell. I heard a pastor preaching. He said he was on vacation. He went to church and he said it was like visiting somebody's family meal. <laughs> like they, they were having their family meal and he just like somehow ended up in the house and he's obviously interrupting what was going on and he didn't feel very welcome. And we don't want that to be the culture of Good Hope Church. I hope that's not the culture of any church out there. We want to be friendly and encouraging and welcoming and just have that hanging in the air. So let's end the loneliness epidemic through small groups and friendly services. Goal number two, I want us, Good Hope Church, to take the gospel message to challenging locations near us. So, New Vision Children's Home, Christiana, Jamaica, we've got missions projects that we're supporting all around the world on, I suppose, every continent but Antarctica, you know, and we got all kinds of things going on that we're supporting, but guess what? Minnesota needs Jesus too. And so we have what we call our campus model. So we want to reach challenging locations near us with the gospel through our campus model. Let me just tell you about this a little bit. So I started in ministry. Last time we talked about, you know, some of my early ministry experiences. And the first major ministry assignment I had was to plant a church in Big Fork, Minnesota. And I found out that there was lots of opportunity, but very little resource. There was people to talk to about Jesus. There was open doors, friendly people, encouraging people, people that were happy. Oh, you want to do something good? Yeah, come on, let's go. You know, there, there was encouragement and opportunity and it was beautiful, but there was no money. There was no one to guide me to learn how to do things well. I had no idea about best practices and ministry stuff. You know, I just had no idea what was going on and then no one to help. And I ended up having to do a lot of things I wasn't very good at and neglecting things that I was truly called to. You know, so I'm trying to figure out our financial statements and what kind of insurance we should have and how to fix different maintenance things that I have no clue about. And then I'm neglecting you know, meeting with people, encouraging and praying for people. I'm neglecting uh, sermon prep, the prayer and the ministry of the word because I'm doing stuff I'm not good at. And, and that was not good. So there's all these opportunities in these difficult places, two places that we've engaged in right now, our ball club, Minnesota on the Leech Lake Reservation, Eagles Landing, beautiful church there, beautiful people there, transitioning from a pastor who'd been there for over a decade into now not really knowing what's going on and not having any resources, talking about closing the church, different things like that. I'm like, no, let's not close the church. Let's work together. So we picked them up as a missions campus. So now they're part of Good Hope Church as a, a missions campus over at Eagles Landing in Ball Club, Minnesota. If that's something that's on your heart, you talk to me, Pastor Mike at goodhope.ag. Shoot me an email because we need your help. The idea is let's make sure that Ball Club doesn't need to figure out the insurance stuff and the budget stuff and you know all these different administrative things. Let's do all that for them so that the pastors who are there, the people who are serving God can just go straight out, do the ministry. Also have a bit of a financial support network behind them. They need some support. They need some help. 
And uh, it's unrealistic to think that a church in ball club is going to bring in $200,000 a year and have all these ministries going on and be able to pay people. Hallelujah, if that happens, that'd be great. It's unrealistic to expect that in the short term. And then also in Morgan Park, we have our campus in Morgan Park that shut down when COVID happened. Then we had a, a leadership transition. Our campus pastor transitioned out. And so now we have no one to go there. And, you know, so we haven't restarted since COVID, but our heart is for West Duluth as well. And that is a difficult place. Just drive around West Duluth, drive around Morgan Park. How many churches do you see? How many thriving churches are in West Duluth? I mean, there's some good stuff going on, man. Hallelujah for that. But there's more need than there is good stuff going on. So we want to reach into West Duluth. And I could see five or six different campuses, we have a central organization of Good Hope Church that provides for all of that structure underneath that girds up and empowers the ministers to go minister, to to preach the word, to pray with people, meet people, encourage people to be part of the community. And then they don't have to figure out the budget. They don't have to figure out, I mean, they got to be smart financially, but they don't have to do the paperwork part of it. They don't have to figure out all of the administrative things. They don't have to worry about best practices. We can provide all of that, all the structures, kids' church check-in systems, you know, computer stuff, all the whole thing. We can provide all of that. Just go love those people and preach the word. That's the idea is to create a support system through the central organization and then be able to create ministry. And here's the, the other piece that I think is cool. It's not just me that works at Good Hope Church. I'll put it that way. We have about a dozen staff here from part-time to full-time. Maybe it's about seven FDE, something like that. But the reality is we could have someone who is in West Duluth getting half their salary from the ministry that's there and half their salary from the central organization as they serve in another capacity. Let's say maintenance. You know, somebody can get paid for taking care of the buildings that we have in the different campuses and they can also get paid for being the campus pastor in their location, get a full-time salary and not have to take vacation time to go to a conference. So hopefully you're catching that. The goal is to take the gospel message to challenging locations near us through our campus model. Then we got the farm at New Vision. Again, I'm going there to Jamaica next Tuesday, you know, this coming Tuesday. Very excited about that. And I want to overcome the codependent missions ministry model. Here's the codependent missions ministry model. Let me just, this is my phraseology. So, you know, bear with me, but here's the deal. If I got a bunch of church people and I tell them, oh no, horrible things are happening. Send money. It's going to get better. Then they're going to get excited and they're going to be like, oh, we don't want horrible things to happen. And they're going to want to send money. But here's the deal. If I need horrible things to be happening in order to motivate my group to care, then I need them to stay in a bad situation and to stay needing us. It's codependent missions ministry model. Instead, what we want to do is empower these ministries to be self-sufficient. And the great thing about the children's home in Christiana, Jamaica, is they have a farm. They got like 25 acres of farmland that are developable that would, if in full production, would provide maybe it. 10, 12 local jobs and pay all of the expenses of the children's home, replacing our entire child sponsorship program with the funding that comes from the farm. And that would then allow them to be completely financially independent, be the head, not the tail. They won't need us at all. And then, then we win. 
We don't win by me to, oh, the need is so great. Let's have the need not be great anymore and them not need us. Let's do that. We do that through creating an economic engine that provides long-term financial stability for ministries in other countries. And so that's the farm development at the New Vision Children's Home. Again, don't have a whole lot of time to talk about the minutia, but I'm excited to be going there, working through that. So these are three pretty significant goals. End the loneliness epidemic through small groups and friendly services. Take the gospel message to challenging locations near us through our campus model. And then create sustainable economic models for missions in other countries, starting with the farm at the New Vision Children's Home and then reproducing that to other places. These are challenging things, big goals. So we need mountain moving faith to have this happen. So how do we have mountain moving faith? Let's read again, Mark 11, 22 through 25. We read last time, Jesus talking about moving mountains. He says this, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. All right, mountain moving faith. Last week, we talked about two steps into having mountain moving faith because again, it's neat to read these verses and to be all excited. Now I'm gonna move a mountain. And then it doesn't happen. You get all discouraged. So how do we actually put this into practice? I got four steps. Last week, we talked about two of them. We talked about starting where you are. Start where you're at. Don't just think, let's uh, bring the gospel to 2 billion people. Yeah, bring the gospel to one person. Start where you're at. (laughs) I started with cleaning the church. That was my first assignment as a ministry person. Volunteered to clean the church for the church I was attending. After that, I taught Sunday school, elementary boys Sunday school. Like that's, start where you're at. Just get the ball rolling. Mountain moving faith starts with moving a little bit, you know, a spoonful of dirt. Mountain moving faith begins with just starting where you're at. So that's step one. Step two is persevere in faith. Be faithful through it all. Because here's the deal. The mountain doesn't just move, you know, like I'm going to believe for four seconds and then the mountain is going to move. Hallelujah when that happens. But I tell you what, most of the time it is a life struggle. The apostle Paul didn't just become the apostle Paul and see the gospel go out into the nations around Jerusalem and Judea just in one day. It didn't work like that. You got to persevere through the hard times. You got to persevere in your own personal spiritual growth and development, your ministry gifts. You got to persevere in in all of those areas. And then as time goes on, you see that the mountain begins to move. This week, steps three and four. Step three to having mountain moving faith is this. Remove the things that block your miracle. If you want to move the mountain, you got to remove the things that stop you from moving the mountain. You have to remove the things that block you getting your miracle. We just read one in 
Mark 11:25 it says and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins having our sins forgiven is a miracle for a lot of us that's a mountain moving miracle you know like hallelujah i'm born again i'm made new my sins are forgiven i've been redeemed i'm walking with god it's a life change and it says here that something that can block that is not forgiving others when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you don't forgive others, it blocks the miracle of redemption. So we don't want to have things blocking the miracle. You got to forgive people. You also have to treat people right. So another thing you might have to remove is if you don't treat people right, it can hinder your prayers. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So what is it saying there? It's saying, okay, you got to, husbands, you got to treat your wives right. You got to treat them with respect. You've got to be considerate with them. Yeah, you might be stronger and be able to beat her up, but if you do that, you're failing God and not only have you done something wrong, but it is going to hinder your prayers. It is going to block your miracle. So you have to treat people right. Obviously, this is talking about husbands treating their wives right with respect and consideration, but it also, you know, this is about treating everybody right. If you don't treat people right, that can block your miracle. You got something in your heart that is handicapping your ability to grab hold of the power of God. So forgive people, treat people right. Remove the things that block your miracle. Here's the next one. Don't just do what you want. You got to seek the will of God. James 4.3 says this. He's talking about things that block miracles, block the power of God. He says, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, Jesus said, ask and, and you know, and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He's saying, ask and you'll receive. And sometimes people ask and they don't receive. And so James says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. If you have a, a desire, like I want a Lamborghini, Lord, I need, how much does a Lamborghini cost? A million dollars? I don't know how much, but I bet you could buy one for a million dollars. So like, I need a million dollars for a Lamborghini. You know, like, is God going to answer that prayer? I do this big capital campaign, Pastor Mike's Lamborghini campaign. Is that million dollars going to come in? I sure hope not. I hope you're smarter than that. <laughs> what if I said we need a million dollars so that we can build a facility that is going to bring the gospel to a whole new generation of people? And we had this beautiful picture of what was going to happen. And I say, I need a million dollars. Might it be that then we can raise a million dollars for that purpose? Well, for sure. The day will come, presumably, when we need a building addition or we need to move to a different location where we can build a, a bigger building. And then I'm going to need more than a million dollars, you know, for that to happen. The church is going to need more than that. And it's appropriate to ask for that when the need is real. But if it's just a selfish need, you got no reason to believe God's going to answer that selfish need. You know, we need to put God's kingdom first. 
It was a, one of the life verses for me is Matthew 6, 33. It's just a beautiful, beautiful verse. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So when you seek the kingdom of God, then the, what do I, I'm going to eat? What am I going to wear? You know, how my basic needs going to be met? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And you get those things as well. Sometimes we block the miracle through pure selfishness because what we want is just something for us. It's not about God's kingdom. It's not about God's righteousness. It's not about advancing the kingdom of God. It's about what I want. And then you don't receive and then you feel disillusioned. Well, that selfishness is blocking your miracle. Another one, you got to stay connected. You got to abide in the vine. Let's go to John chapter 15, hugely important stuff. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I got this one wrong. I was like, as a new believer, you know, I didn't specifically say this, but this kind of indicates where I was at. The heart behind what I was doing for the Lord was, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. You've done enough for me. You just sit tight. I'm going to do some stuff for you, and I'm going to come back later and let you know how it went. So just sit tight. And I went to go do stuff for Jesus by myself. That's dumb. You got to abide in the vine. You got to stay connected. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I found out my own effort, my own strength, my own ideas, my own work was not going to do anything. It wasn't going to accomplish anything. This is actually true. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we stay connected with the Lord, we're hearing from God on the direction to go. Our heart is drawing closer and closer to God's heart. We're abiding in the vine. Then we begin to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That's another way of saying the mountain begins to move. We need to trust in his strength. Let's go back to Mark, this time chapter 9, Mark 9, 29, talking about trusting in the strength of God. Here, you may know the story of the boy possessed by an evil spirit. Disciples can't cast it out. Jesus comes, he casts it out. It's a big process. You can read about that chapter nine in Mark. But then afterwards, the disciples are asking them, hey, well, how come it didn't work for us? How come we couldn't get the miracle? How come we couldn't drive out the demon? Jesus says in verse 29, this kind can come out only by prayer. And the footnote, some manuscripts, prayer and fasting. What does that mean? What that means is you need to be truly connected with the power of God in order to overcome certain things. This kind comes out only by prayer. Maybe it said prayer and fasting. I think that seems reasonable to me. It means that when you're deeply connected to God, you can access the power of God more so than if you're not deeply connected with God. And so it blocks the miracle when we're not deeply connected with God. Got a couple nice ideas. You went to a conference and they told you to say something in prayer. So you say that and that maybe that, you know, has some positive effect, but you're not going to get as far as you could get that you would if you were deeply connected with the power of God, abiding in the vine day by day, receiving of the power and the goodness of God, and then bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. We must stay connected and trust in God's strength. So it's just a, some quick examples of things that can block your miracle. What else might be blocking your miracle? Seek the Lord on that. There are things that can block the miracle, all kinds of different things. So those three examples, you know, forgive people, treat them right. Don't make it about you. You got to put God's kingdom first and then staying connected with the Lord and trusting in his strength rather than trying to do it yourself. So you got to remove the things that block the miracle. So 
Start where you're at. Persevere in faith. Be faithful through it all. Remove the things that block the miracle. And then step four is receive the miracle. (laughs) This one, I had no clue about this. And uh, I finally learned about it and it was extremely helpful. So Mark 11, 24, it's a very interesting verse. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Some people don't like this verse, but here it is in the Bible. Jesus said it. Whatever you ask for in prayer, he's talking about mountain moving faith. It's that same section. It's, it's right there in how to move mountains. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So he's saying, believe, you know, assume it, assume the miracle, grab a hold of it, you know, receive like a a receiver in the NFL, you know, like there's defensive backs pulling on this arm and you got to receive the ball. You're going to take it no matter what. You want to catch that ball, even though there's all this stuff going on, you're running hundred miles an hour and you just catch the ball. You receive it. You got to fight to take it. Now this verse has been maybe used improperly in certain circumstances. Here's the key to understanding this. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The key is make sure that it's God's will. You don't just get to pick. Like I don't get to pick. I want to fly like Superman. I'm going to believe that I receive it and then I'll be able to fly like Superman. It's not going to happen. There's no promise in the Bible that I can fly like Superman. But what are some promises in the Bible that I can stand on? You know, there are incredible promises in the Bible. We'll talk about the promise of forgiveness of sins and redemption here in a little bit. Did Jesus die for you? Does he want you to be free from the past and step into a new life? That seems like a mountain that cannot be moved. But let me tell you, if you believe it, you can receive it and it will be yours and you can have new life. Has to be God's will. Remember the joke years and years ago, I heard this joke about a guy drowning in a flood. He was a Christian. You know, Christians can sometimes act a little weird. The, the police came by and they said, you know, hey, you've been, uh, you've been watching. There's a flood warning. A flash flood's coming. You got to get out of your house. And the guy said, hey, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in the Lord. He's going to take care of me. And so the police are like, okay, but you got to get out of your house. Like, I'm trusting God. Okay. So they left. Then the water started to rise and a guy in a canoe who was taken off from his house was like, hey man, jump in. Let's get out of here. He's like, no, man, I'm good. Thank you. The Lord is going to rescue me. And then the water's up to his neck and a boat comes by. Come on. Hey, let's get out of here. He's like, no, I'm trusting in Jesus. The Lord's going to rescue me. And then the water keeps rising. It's up to the top of his house. He's standing on the, the peak of the roof and a helicopter comes by, throws a rope down. Hey, you know, a big ladder. Come on, let's go. And the guy's like, no, God is going to rescue me. And then the helicopter flies away and then the water goes up and the guy drowns. And then he shows up in heaven. He says, hey, how come you didn't rescue me? I was testifying to all those people. You're going to rescue me. And God says, well, who do you think sent the people to warn you and the canoe and the boat and the helicopter? Who do you think sent that? And he's like, oh, okay. You were rescuing me, but I wouldn't receive it. I wouldn't take the provision. I also think, You know, there's an old psalm, you know, our cup runneth over. I believe our cup will run over in time, but it's up to us how big of a cup we want to hold out. You know, hold out a little thimble and your cup is going to run over. You're never going to have much. If you want to receive a a mountain moving miracle, you got to hold out a bigger cup. You got to believe God for more. And then the example I mentioned earlier of believe that you have received. I think the best example of that is believing that you have received 
redemption through Christ. Because if you don't believe that you deserve it, if you don't believe God can forgive you, if you don't believe God can give you a new life and put you on a different path and make you part of the solution instead of part of the problem, if you don't believe God can heal your heart and your jaded anger and that you can't get out of the hole that you're in and God can't help you out of it, if you believe that God can't help you, then you're not going to get help from God because you don't have the faith to receive it. But I don't care who you are what you've done and what you've been through, if you believe that God has forgiven you and you put your faith in Christ and you believe that you're stepping into new life, you're born again, you're gonna start this off fresh and new and you're gonna overcome this time. If you believe that, you can receive it and you will have it and you can go forward in it. So believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Just make sure it's the will of God. We've been talking about mountain moving faith, talking about goals for the church. Let me tell you about the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is redemption. It's about the individual receiving the forgiveness of God and new life. And it is the blood of Christ that makes that possible. By his blood, we are forgiven. And by his stripes, his broken body, we are healed. And so you can be made new and step into a new life, having the identity of the past taken away. I'm this loser, I'm this broken person that one who doesn't deserve, you can have that identity taken away in Christ and step into new life. If you don't know that kind of relationship with Jesus, where he is your savior, he is the one who redeemed you. He's the one who loves you and sacrificed for you. And now you're free. If you don't understand that, I want you to pray with me and let's celebrate what Christ has done for us. If you're just starting that faith journey, pray with me and and let's get this thing started. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your great plan of redemption. Thank you that you do not reject those who fail and who make mistakes, who hurt others and who do not grab hold of the plan that you've got, but walk in rebellion, who, uh, who just mess everything up. Lord, you do not destroy and cast us away, but you redeem us. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, let us take advantage of the opportunity we have before the time is up. So Lord, we thank you that your body was broken, that you took that scourging that you were beaten in our place so that we could be healed. Thank you, Lord, that your blood was shed. The wages of sin is death. The destructive power of sin needs to be destroyed and us and your kingdom set free. But Lord, then all of us are in trouble because we've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for redeeming us by taking the bullet for us, by stepping into the punishment for us and taking it so that we could take hold of new life, forgiven and free, walking with you and being part of your goodness and your light and sharing that love and mercy with this world. This is for you. If if it's time for you to start a relationship with Jesus, just pray something along these lines. And if you're re-up in your faith, do the same thing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess my sin before you and ask for forgiveness. Lord, wash me clean. Help me to walk in your ways. I pledge my life to you to serve you and to walk with you. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for making me born again. Thank you for giving me new life. Let me walk in your ways, receive your spirit, empowered by you into a new life and say, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I believe and I receive. Thank you, Lord, for the love you have for us. 
And I pray, Lord, for each one that we would know your love, that we would grab hold of new life, and that we would walk in your ways. Open up our eyes, give us vision. Let us grab hold of your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.